Nice to know that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus said, I'll not leave you comfortless, but I'll send the Holy Spirit to be with you, to guide and direct you. And he's here with us. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you take control over our hearts and our lives, our minds right now. We honor you. We thank you, Lord, that you're with us, even until the end of the age. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Open your hearts up and receive him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We need him. We need his presence. We need his comfort, his guidance. He knows all, and he can show us where we need to go and what we need to do. Hallelujah. He said, I want you to be victorious. I want you to be triumphant. I want you to overcome the world. And how many of you know we need that now? So thank you, Lord. Praise you, sweet Jesus. Glory to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Well, give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his goodness, his mercy, and his goodness to us. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm so glad to see your smiling faces. Is everybody smiling today? Yes. Praise the Lord. Amen. Whatever you had problems, you leave them at the door. You come in here. You experience the presence of the Lord, and then you can come away refreshed. Hopefully, you have direction in your life. And I wanted to mention that uh, coming uh, after uh, Mother's Day, my wife, my son, and um, his, her mother, are, we're going on a vacation, a family vacation to Hawaii. Amen? Hallelujah, time of refreshing, relaxing, enjoying ourselves, although we don't really enjoy ourselves too much when we have Charles with us because <laughs> he puts us on an obstacle course. You got to do this. We got to go here. We got to see this. Come on. We don't know. Come on. What's happening? And we're like, this is a vacation, I thought, isn't it? So after we get done, we need a vacation. Last year, we went to Orlando, Florida, and I wanted to show you the rigmarole that we had to go through. First, we had to go to Cape Canaveral. Yeah. Cape Canaveral. Let me see that. Uh, there we are. Yeah. We looked... No, not yet. Where are you going? Uh, you know, we look happy there, right? That's the beginning of the trip. You know, we got our energy. Then we move on to another place. Where, where are we going? Universal Studios. We still have our energy. Okay, we got our strength, and we're going to have, we went to Jurassic Park, and we're having fun, right? We're playing around, and then we start to get a little tired, okay? It's the second or third day, and then we went, had to go on swamp uh, riding, and there's an alligator there, and he got me. I was slow, and he got me, and I said, Charles, I'm, I'm running out of, mom and dad are running out of gas, okay? So we went to SeaWorld. That was easy. We just sit and watch the, the, the dolphins. And then he says, well, let's go on this ride right here. I go, no, I don't think so. You know, we don't want to, our bodies are not made to go upside down. So we said, let's go on this ride over here. This is what, we, yeah, there we go. That's what we're more accustomed to. So this year, we have incorporated a little rest time, a little air time, so that mom and dad can kind of chill out a little bit, a little serenity time and everything. So we're we're glad. We're letting you know. I mean, some pastors just leave and they don't tell their congregation they're gone. They come to church. They go like, where'd the pastor go? <laughs> you know, but we let you know because we want to teach you 
and train you to come to church even when the pastor's not there. Is that something that uh, you've heard before? Why? Because you have to greet the first-time visitors. You have to encourage one another. You have to hear the Word of God for yourself to be encouraged. Why take a day off because the pastor is vacationing? Amen. So I'm trusting and training and hoping and believing and, uh, you know, that you will uh, be here. Pastor Gary George is going to give the message. And uh, Cecilia Gonzalez is going to do the Wednesday night Bible study. So we do have cameras, so we will s- switch them around and make sure everybody's here. You know, no, no, no problems with that. And then I want to also let you know, since we're on this, this, this training course with uh, my son, we probably won't have time to answer emails or texts or situations like that. So if you have a problem, just call Pastor Gary George. We're going to send an email out so you'll have his number. And that way, uh, if there's an emergency, Pastor Gary, I talked to him last week. Uh, he said, well, we'll pray that there's no emergencies. I go, yeah, I know. That's <laughs> we can do that. Amen. But uh, so that's uh, pretty much all that there is on that. Praise the Lord. So uh, be encouraged. The, day at, the week after Mother's Day, we're going to be on a plane. And, you know, pl- drive, uh, flying a plane used to be glamorous. I mean, my father used to work for the airlines. Now it's a, it's, it's a, it's a prison, okay? It's like... It's really hard. You know, you have to get there early. You got to go through TSA. You have to travel. It's like, you know, you have to, you know, yes, yes, yes. Where do I sit? Okay, yeah. You know, I don't want to cause any disturbance, okay? <laughs> so anyway, we're going we're gonna to venture out. We're going to believe that God's going to be with us. Amen? All right. So let's bow our heads as we hear the word of God for today. Father, I just thank you that uh, we are here to hear how to preach the gospel with boldness. That, Father, you'll give us that spirit to encourage us so that we can preach and we can share the good news of the gospel to whoever we uh, come in contact with, that you'll be with us and show us what to say. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I'm of the belief that uh, we should look at people just not on the outward appearance, but know that they're a soul that needs to know about the Lord because they're either going to go to heaven or they're going to go to hell, right? There's only two choices. There's no in-between. And so I look at people and I'm going, I wonder if they're going to go to heaven. I wonder if they're going to make it. And so I talk with them wherever I go. So the other day I was in a donut shop. And you might wonder, how did I get in a donut shop? Well, I've been cutting down on my sweets. But I asked the Lord, I go, Lord, you know, if I've been doing so good, if you would just grant me a time, just have one donut, I would really appreciate it. So I said, Lord, if... I drive by a donut shop on the corner there of Grand, and, and there's an open spot in front of the donut shop, then I know that's your will, that it's okay if I have a donut. So, lo and behold, after the fourth trip around the block, there it was, D. The don't the parking spot was there, so I went in there, and I had on my hat John three sixteen, and so the lady, she's a very friendly lady. I've talked to her before. She goes, "Oh, what's that? What's that?" I go, "That's the scripture for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." And she goes, "Yeah, I've heard. I I remember that scripture." I go, "Let me ask you: If you died today, would you go to heaven?" She goes, "Oh, no, I don't think so." I go, "Oh, how would you like to know so?" He says, oh, I know if you go to heaven, if you, you have to give it your all. You, you can't just be half. You have to give it your all. 
I go, not everybody can give it their all. Jesus gave it at all, and then we just follow along with him because of his righteousness. And she kept saying, well, you know, I just can't do it. You know, I talk to God all the time, but, and she's rambling, rambling, and I go, can you be quiet for a minute? <laughs> Let me tell you, I have some good news for you. You can get to heaven because of what Jesus did. And she keeps going on and on and on, and I'm trying to talk to her in between the customers that are coming in. So finally I said, you know what, I'll, I'll come back and talk to you later. She said, no, don't come back. <laughs> she goes, I'm busy here. I got to work. I go, that's okay. I'm going to bring something written for her so I can just hand it to her so she can get some education, right? I don't give up that easy, Brother Don. Amen. She's praying to God every day, so sure, you know, that she wants to know about the Lord. Anyway, so we have been going through a series and a sequence of events in the Bible the last three weeks, starting with the raising of Lazarus from the dead and continuing on with Jesus' resurrection and then how they chose a replacement for Judas. So let's recap for a minute, and uh, then we'll get caught up to go into the book of Acts. So remember, Jesus went to the tomb of his friend Lazarus, and Martha said, Jesus, it's too late. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And what did Jesus say? Your brother will rise again. And she said, I know he'll rise at the last day. Now, how did she know that? She studied the scripture. She knew there was going to be a judgment time. He said, you don't have to wait to that time. I'm the one that does the resurrecting, and I'm here right now. I am the resurrection. I, I, raise, I raise everybody even from the beginning of time 4,000 years ago. What's four days? I can raise them up. She goes, okay. And he said, if you can't believe, you will see the glory of God. So he went to the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, who was dead, was risen. You have some dead things in your life. You can speak the word of God in the name of Jesus and they can rise as well as well. You know, you might have deadness in your body. You might have deadness in your finances. You might have deadness in your relationships. You know, I've seen marriages that, you know, were dead. Then all of a sudden, God took, takes a hold of it and, and resurrects them. I, we were talking to one couple. They said when we left, when our children left, we thought, okay, that's the end. We've, we've done all that we can. Now, you know, we may as well just divorce. And all of a sudden, the Lord gave them a new love for each other. How did that happen? The Holy Spirit can raise and resurrect things. Amen? You might have relationships with your sons or your daughters or your sisters or your brothers. God can change the hearts. Praise the Lord. So then they went to the tomb, and the angel was there. And what did he say? He says, you're looking for Jesus. He's not here. Where is he? He's risen just like he said he would. <laughs> that, that's what you got to know. If Jesus said it, if it's in the Bible, if he's put it in your hearts, he'll make it come to pass. He's not a man that should lie. Amen? Uh, what's the scripture? It says, uh, he's not a man that should lie. If he said it, will he not do it? If he spoke it, will he not bring it to pass? God is able to fulfill his promises in your life. So you have to continue to believe. Praise the Lord. Now, last week, we talked about how they were looking for an apostle to replace Judas. Judas was a bad man. <laughs> he was stealing the money out of the purse, and Jesus knew it. And he said that he's the son of perdition. You know, he, wish, he, he, he would wish that he was never born. But anyway, uh, so when they, choose, when they got together to choose another apostle, they said, Lord, you know the hearts of everyone. Tell us who you want us to choose. And God is looking for people that love him and want to obey him. Did he choose you? Yes, I'm so glad he did. I was not voted the most likely to get saved in my class, let me tell you. 
In fact, a lot of my friends, I don't know how they got saved. And I had two types of friends. I had athletic type of friends, and I had intelligent type of friends. And I could go both ways, you know. And the athletic friends, they, most of them accepted the Lord. The intelligent ones, I don't know why they didn't accept the Lord. I have a friend that teaches at North, uh, not North, New York University. He teaches the Bible as a literary book, and he didn't get saved. And I, I talked to him, I go, Steve, this is the Bible right here. Don't you see that, you know, you accept Jesus in your heart, you, you're born again, you, you get raised? He goes, no, I, I don't see it that way. I go, What? And you wonder why his brain is, you know, blocking what he's supposed to do. But anyway, we're supposed to have a heart towards God. The Bible says that Jesus was talking about the Pharisees. He says, their lips honor me, but their heart is far from me. You can say, oh, I love you, Lord. I just love you, Lord. And, but can you do what he says? Amen. He says, I'll know if you love me if you obey me, right? That's what my wife says. <laughs> If you love me, you'll go down to the store and get me some orange juice today. Okay, all right, praise the Lord. So, so this week we're going to talk and go into the book of Acts. Are you ready? So Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven, and he spends 40 days walking around the earth, talking to his disciples, and he was being seen by how many people? 500 people. That's a lot of people. That's six weeks of going to house to house or wherever he was in the temple, talking to people. How you doing? I'm encouraging you. The kingdom of God is here. And then they said, well, is now the time that we're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And if it was me, I'd say, guys, haven't you figured this out yet? It's a spiritual kingdom. The spirit is in you. The kingdom of God is within you. I'm not here to take over where I'm here to take over in the spiritual realm. So uh, he was, how many people, so he says, go to Jerusalem, 120 of you, and wait. What does wait mean? Wait until I get there. <laughs> you know how you do your dogs? Now stay, stay, stay. He says, wait, and uh, uh, I'm going to come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now you'd say, well, wait a minute. Didn't they already have the Holy Spirit? Well, let's look at this. In John chapter 20, verse 21 through 22, so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So they did have the Holy Spirit. They were born again. They did accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. So they were born again. But there has to be another baptism, immersing of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. I'm trying to make it really plain, really easy for you. There's two steps. You accept the Lord. You get the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you. But then you need a baptism, a further infusion, a filling, uh, more of a, you know, supercharge. And, and here's how it is in Acts 1 through 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded. What does command mean? That means there's no wiggle room. You, you do it. Okay, you do it. All right? Well, I don't know, you know. I got things to do. No, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. What does this mean to wait? It means to wait and wait and see what God's going to give you next, right? They didn't know. They'd never been this far. They didn't know what was going to happen, but they were praying and believing. He said uh, uh, in verse uh, 5, he says, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit 
not many days from now. And if it was me, I'm glad I'm not in the Bible because I'd be, I'd be like Peter. I'd go like, well, how many days? What do you mean, not many days? Is that like two or five or what? how much is it? <laughs> oh, well, we find out it was 10 days. Now, why didn't he just say, in 10 days I'll come? You know why. Because these guys would go home and they'd be goofing off and doing fishing and doing everything and then come back on the ninth day and go, okay, we're ready. No, he wanted them to get prepared and pray. Praise the Lord. Okay. And so, uh, so then he says, what's going to happen in verse 8? He says, but you shall receive power. Let's say it. Power. Amen. You got any power out there? He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Amen. And that word power is, is translated dunamis, where we get dynamite. Not just a little bit of power, not just a little bit of light, but the Holy Ghost light. I mean, some power that can make things happen, right? He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be what? A witness to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Power to do what? Witness. What is a witness? Witness talks about what they see, what they hear, what they've experienced. We saw Jesus. He rose from the dead. He was crucified. He said he was the Son of God. I'm just telling you like it is, right? You know, please, uh, Don, take the witness stand and swear in. Okay, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you, God? Yes. Okay, did Jesus rise from the dead? Yeah. Did you see him? Yeah, I did. You're a witness. Amen? Amen? Are you a witness out there? <laughs> How God has changed your life and, and made you whole and changed your thinking and changed your whole actions? Because when he changes your heart, he changes your actions and your thoughts and what you're supposed to do. You're not the same person anymore. Praise the Lord. So now, this is interesting. I didn't know this. I studied this. But in the book of Acts, it's broken down into different sections. Acts 1 through 7 talks about the gospel being preached in Jerusalem. Acts 8 through 12 talks about being in Judea and Samaria, just like he said. And then Acts 13 through 28 is to the ends of the earth. So he had it pretty well organized, right? So now, here's, I, I like this part, really. So Jesus tells him, go to, go to Jerusalem, stay there, wait. I'm going to come. And, well, I'm not going to come. Something's going to happen. <laughs> Could you tell us what's going to happen? <laughs> I hate secrets, don't you? <laughs> I, got a, I got a secret for you. I got a gift for you. I got a something. And so when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. That must have been something. You're talking to Jesus, and here comes a cloud, and the elevator, and, and, and they, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So if you can imagine that the disciples are like, ooh, look at that. Oh, man. Can you see him? I, don't, I think I see him. Is behind that cloud? Man, I can't see him anymore. Can you see him? And then the angels. Sometimes angels are so blunt, aren't they? Well, what, what are you looking for? You know, you can't get, get about your business. Go to Jerusalem like he said. He's going to come back the same way he left. And I think he needed to show the people that. He didn't just vanish. He went away so that they know he went into heaven. We call it Ascension Sunday. Isn't that nice? And I, I, have you ever flown, flown a kite before? And you get it up real high, you can barely see it. 
My dad, used to, he used to be an airline mechanic, airline electrician, and he got some materials from the airlines, some clear plastic, real strong material, and he built a kite, and he had some wire, and he got it up there, and we could barely see it. He goes, oh, it's up there. I go, no, I can't see it, Dad. I can't see it. But he had such joy in getting it up so high. It took him like a half hour to get it down. But I can imagine these disciples are just looking up in the sky, can't see anything, and the angel said, you need to get busy. Does he say the same thing to us? I'm sure. Okay. You ready? Now, Acts 2, 1 through 2. Now we're getting into the deep stuff. Are you ready? When the day of Pentecost had fully come, that's 50 days after Passover, Pentecost meaning 50, uh, they were all in one accord and in one place. Now, that's a miracle right there, to get 120 people in one accord, (laughs) all thinking the same thing, all praying, not, you know, moving around, doing all kinds of stuff. And suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house they were sitting. And then Acts 3, uh, I mean Acts 2, but 3 and 4. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here's the first manifestation. The first manifestation is that the Holy Spirit gives you power to be a witness. The second manifestation is that you get tongues. You get to speak in an unknown language. And what they were doing is, look at this in Acts 2, 7 through 8. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these, all these people speaking, uh, that, are, that are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language where we were born, the wonderful works of God? So they were speaking uh, in languages that they didn't know. They were never trained or taught it. This is a miracle. This is amazing. This is, this is God. And, and so they were saying, aren't, and the thing was, Galileans didn't talk that well. They didn't have very good diction. They kind of slurred their words, and they, 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 they said they swallowed their syllables. I don't know what that means, but they didn't talk that good, and they were wondering, how could these guys speak so good? They were never trained to, to do this or taught this. How, how could this possibly be? And so you say, well, does that still happen today? Yes. When people go to the mission field, I've heard talk when they speak in tongues, that the natives go, how did you know our language? You know, no one knows our language. You came from America. How did you know that? They said, we don't know. We're just speaking. And all of a sudden, you know, you hear it. And the reverse is true. Sometimes people come here to America uh, from, you know, a foreign country, and they might go into a service and someone's speaking in tongues, and they go like, well, how did you know my native language? It's amazing, isn't it? It doesn't happen that often, but it does happen. So uh, this was a gift to get the attention to non-believers. There's no preaching involved here. There's no message. It's just talking about the wonderful works of God. And people will say, boy, God must really be in this place. And then you're able to talk to them about the Lord and say, well, you know, the Lord loves you, cares for you, this kind of thing, right? So there's, and I just want to do a little distinction here as we can move on. There's three types of tongues and a lot of people like to confuse them. So the first one here is that we see where you speak in a foreign language that you don't know. The second way is to give a message to the church from the Lord. In other words, someone will say, you know, thus saith the Lord, and they speak in tongues. And then there has to be an interpretation of that so that we're not just babbling in the, in the air. But it's usually a word of encouragement, uh, of, of strength, or of direction. And let's look at it in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 12. It talks about there's a bunch of gifts, not only tongues, there's a bunch of gifts. 
It says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given the word of wisdom. How? Through the Spirit. Wisdom is for the future. Someone might tell you, you know, I think that you need to take that job or you need to move here or do this, you know, and if it bears witness with you, praise the Lord. God is telling you. The one is, uh, uh, another's word of knowledge. In other words, they might tell you something's going wrong in your life, something, you know, maybe your diet, maybe whatever it is, you know, this is a knowledge of something that has been passed or in the present. And so you get a word from the Lord to to guide you. You ever get frustrated and you don't know what's happening and someone will come along and say, well, this is what the Lord is telling me for you. you go, Thank you so much. And then you get, your, you get on the right course. There's, there's, there's nine gifts here. Let's see the other couple of them. Another faith by the same Spirit. This is, this is more than just your regular faith. This is like faith. Remember when uh, Daniel was in the lion's den? It takes some great faith supernatural faith, not just like, oh, Lord, I pray that the lions don't eat me up. No, there has to be something more than that, right? How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they go into the fiery furnace? How much faith do you need to stay out of the, you know, not be burned? It has to be, because they had this faith like, hey, throw us in. We don't care. You know, God's going to deliver us. What kind of faith is that? That's, you know, getting married, that's faith. That's great faith. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, I'm not directing it anywhere, praise the Lord. <laughs> to another, to another, <laughs> to another, wait a minute, I'm not done with that one. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. In other words, sometimes something comes on. You remember when Peter was at the, uh, the, the temple and the lame man was there and he said, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. That was great faith, more than just your ordinary faith. The Lord came upon him. Praise God. And what's the other ones? A working of miracles, that was part of it too because he was working it. He worked it. He worked it. So another prophecy, speaking to someone about uh, the, the future. So another discerning of spirits, understanding in the spirit realm, seeing angels, seeing uh, demons, seeing all things that are happening. And then also now the last, different kinds of tongues and to another, the interpretation of tongues. So we see that the second part is when someone would speak in an unknown language, and there has to be an interpretation. I remember when Bob, and I don't do this very much, but Bob was given a word in tongues, and I was looking around to see, well, where's somebody that can interpret that? And there was nobody. And so the Lord said, you better pay attention, son. And so, okay, so I was able to give a, a, a word. And how do you do that? It's just kind of something on the inside of you. You just kind of feel like, okay, this is what the Lord is beginning to say. And I've seen this uh, many years. I've seen it for 40 years, ever since we got saved. And it's amazing to watch. We had a husband and wife that used to come to the church, and he would, you know, speak in tongues, and then she would interpret it. And then even she, he would sing a song, and she would sing the song back, and it would uh, rhyme. I'd go, like, how did that happen? It was beautiful. I said, oh, that is so beautiful, so nice. We haven't done that yet, but anyway. <laughs> it's nice to know that it can happen. And then so the last one is you, you pray in tongues as a prayer language. And let's look at it in uh, Romans 8, 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for us according to the will of God. So what you're doing here is 
Sometimes we, we know what we need. We need finances or we need help in a, in a situation. We don't know what we should pray, how we should pray. So we pray in the Spirit and say, Lord, you know how to or- orchestrate and operate in this situation. You know how to ch- change the hearts of the people. You know how to make situation come together in our favor. And when you do that, God somehow manifests it because he's praying through your heart. Your heart is crying out to the Lord, but you use words that you don't understand. The Bible says your mind is unfruitful, but as you're speaking, you're reaching God, and God is taking what's in your heart. For instance, if you go like, ah, well, that's, there's no words to it, but you know it's like I'm frustrated, I'm tired, I need your help, whatever it be. And so that's how you do it. So I always say that, you know, in a newspaper, they give the headlines, Pastor Chuck needs a job, okay? And then the, now that's the whole the dialogue, the, the written word, the, the script, right, to see how that's going to happen. I know what I need. I don't know how to get it. And then all of a sudden, God somehow brings it a pa- to pass. How does he do it? I don't know. He's a great God. Praise the Lord. Now, I, I want to tell you, uh, you anyone, anyone and everyone can speak in tongues. You have the option to do that. But it doesn't mean that you're filled. I mean, it doesn't, just because you're filled with the Spirit doesn't mean you have to speak in tongues. You know, you, you can choose to if you need to, and I need to, you know, and I don't know why. Is it because I get in trouble more than other people? My wife knows me, okay? Or is it I just don't have enough common sense, you know, to get through these situations? But I, I pray a lot in the Spirit. But there is a great man of God, many great men of God. One of them is, is uh, Billy Graham. He... Uh, does not speak, he did not speak in tongues. But how powerful was he in delivering the gospel? He had the Holy Spirit. In fact, his memoir said that he received the Holy Spirit one time, and he said, I, he just walked around the room, I got it. I got it. I got the Holy Spirit. I can preach now. I'm going to have more power. I'm going to, you know, I'm ready to go. And he went, and he preached, of course, all over the world. And then so one time he was in a conference, and he was speaking. There was other people that were speaking, and his time was up. So being obedient to the dais, he said, okay, I, he closed his book and said, I'm finished, and let the next preacher come up. So while the next preacher was coming up, someone in the back stood up, had a, a tongue, and an interpretation of what he was saying. And so they were wondering, oh, I wonder what, what Billy Graham's going to say about that. So after the service, he's they went to him and said, Billy, what did you think about that tongues and interpretation? He goes, well, I don't know about all that, but I tell you, that guy, he spoke the rest of my message. <laughs> so this is, this is something that is real. It's in the spiritual realm. And when we dive into it, and, and, and I, I'm taking time to talk about it because this is my obligation as a minister of the gospel. I have to teach the whole Bible. We come into this part. I can't skip it. I can't go over it. I, have to, I can't ignore it. I have to say, okay, church, this is it for clarity. This is so you can know exactly what's happening because there's a lot of confusion out there. People think one thing. They think another thing. And I'm just trying to make it so clear cut that you don't have any uh, room to uh, misunderstand. But if you want to look it up, you can look it up. That's good. But I always believe this. You ready? And I'm going to finish with this part. That those that speak in tongues shouldn't look down at those that don't. And those that don't shouldn't look down on those that do. You know? Like, okay, not everybody, you know, the Holy Spirit's not crazy. But there are some people that are crazy. Did you know that? Here's a couple right here. Let's see this couple right here. This, these two guys. 
Now, these guys are crazy, okay? They're going to the same game that everybody else is going to, but why are they so enthusiastic? That's just their nature. That's just their way. Some people are just more enthusiastic with the Holy Spirit. You, you don't have to be that way. You can be calm. You can be controlled, or you can be crazy, and so you shouldn't even, like, try to think that you're more spiritual because you do crazy things, you know? So... We're here, we're kind of like the middle ground. We don't go way crazy. We don't, you know, be too silent. We let the Holy Spirit kind of be in our hearts and be in our minds and our lives, and we enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit. But my wife and I, we know, we've been at churches where they just like tear the whole place up. <laughs> I mean, move away the chairs. People are dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah. The wigs are falling off and everything. It's like... Oh. Rudy and I were talking about it. He said, Rudy, he said, Rudy says, I like those churches, you know. <laughs> you can't go there because you never know what's going to happen, you know. It's like you can't invite people over because, you know, I don't know. They're going to go crazy. Like, let's see those, those guys. And like, they, they said, uh, I don't know why mom doesn't come to the games with us anymore, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so let's get back to uh, the gift of preaching with boldness, all right? So, Peter and John in Acts are talking about Peter and John were taken into prison for healing the lame man at the beautiful gate, right? Forty uh, years he was lame. Then he pulled him up and he was leaping and walking and praising God. And uh, they took him in and put him in prison for that. Can you imagine the persecution that's going on? And so they had him in for a whole night and they threatened him. They said, you better not preach in that name anymore. And so uh, they got him together. And then they said, what name or what power did you use to get, get him up? And so Peter, remember how Peter, he was afraid before? The woman, the little lady, the, the lady said, uh, I think you were with Jesus. No, 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 I wasn't, that wasn't me. I don't know him. Mm-mm. And uh, so this time, the same people, the Sanhedrin, the captains of the temple, the Pharisees were all there, captured, and he didn't... Blink this time, let's see, in Acts 4, 8 through 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, amen, you got to have the Holy Spirit when you want to minister to people, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, the chief priests, the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees, if this day we be judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made whole, well, let me tell you, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, if you're listening, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. That's like slapping him in the face. Saying like, okay, and then the last thing is, this stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, and then the last scripture in verse 12 says, now... Nor is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which we might be saved. You got a problem with that, he said? Here I am. Have at it. What kind of boldness is that? Before he was timid and shy and running away. Now all of a sudden he's standing strong. See, we get so worried about, oh, I don't know what the person is thinking. I hope I don't offend them. Their, their soul is on the line. They're not going to make heaven. They're going to go to hell if we don't tell them about the Lord. Even if they slap, they're not rejecting us, they're rejecting man. I mean, uh, they're rejecting the Lord, right? 
So why are we so timid? Why are we so shy? In fact, last week, there was a woman, I won't mention her name, but we had our hands raised up, and she was afraid to minister to somebody that she knew. And the Lord spoke to her and said, oh, ye of little faith. In other words, why are you holding back? Just speak it out. You can do it. You can cut through all that. People are not offended. And even if they are, you know, you got to plant the seed. We had one lady, my wife and I, were ministering to, and we said, you know, do you, do you know the Lord? And she goes, well, no, I don't, I don't, don't go there with me because I, I don't believe that. And we, we're trying to figure out what, so it's been weeks and we've been trying to uncover why don't you want to talk about it. And so she was trying to promote herself in her business, and I, she said, I'm just working as hard as I can. I believe that I will just succeed because I'm working hard. I go, do you pray about it? She goes, no, I don't pray about it. I go, why not? I go, don't you believe in a, at least a higher power? She goes, no. How could you not believe in a, are we all crazy? <laughs> Who are we praying to? <laughs> just the air? No. <laughs> How could you deny that? But we just keep working and planting seed and loving her and seeing God do what's supposed to happen, right? So here it is. Uh, the Pharisees said this in verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Wait a minute. They were always with Jesus. What's the difference now? They've been with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowered them. He said, you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes to be a witness. They're talking like Jesus, they sound like Jesus, but now they have the power. Amen? I challenge you guys to speak with power, speak the Word of God. I'm looking at Evangeline, and she said she had a ride to go to the doctors with one of her, uh, her grandsons, and he, he, the driver was the captive audience, so she talked to him all the way up and all the way back about the Lord. And she said, I asked him the question that she always asked, Pastor. Uh, if you died today, would you go to heaven? He said, I don't know. And she talked to him and led him to the Lord. She was so happy. It's not so hard to do that, is it? Let the Lord speak through you. Just get it out. Would you, if you died today, would you go to heaven? It doesn't matter how weak you say it. What you say? If you died today, would you go to heaven? I don't know. How would you like to know? It's too easy, isn't it? It's like four-move checkmate in chess. So, baby. <laughs> so, so then they began to threaten them with whippings and stonings and imprisonments, and yea, even crucify them. But what did Peter say in Acts 4, 29, 31? He said, now, Lord, Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak the word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The third thing, what is, what's the first thing? That we get power to witness. Second thing is we can speak in unknown languages. Third, we have power to heal. Isn't that good news? You, we're equipped. Amen. We, we've got our armor. We got, we're ready to go. And look at verse 31. And then when they all prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I like this. 
Amen. Don't you, don't you feel like when you've prayed and you've gotten in the presence of the Lord, you're ready to tell anybody about Jesus? They say, well, why are you so happy? I just know the Lord. I just, I just love the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. So uh, then let's look at this in Acts. I'm getting ready to close here. Acts 5, 14 through 16. It says, and the believers were in- increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought, look at this, they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on them. Just the shadow. But you know it's more than the shadow, right? It was the Holy Spirit encompassing Peter. He was walking in the presence of the Lord. I can remember when my sweet Marianne, when we were in church, confirmed word, um, they had the husbands and the wives pray for the people at you know, that came in on the altar. You know, you know how it is. You lay hands on the sick and they shall fall down. No, no. That's a joke. <laughs> you don't have to fall down, but, you know. But anyway, so they had the pastors and their wives pray. And I'll be honest with you. You know, the wives, mostly, you know, they're there for show, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're getting some uh, pushback here. (laughs) Well, I say that because I was wrong, because we were praying, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came on Marianne, and she was praying for people, and and they were knocked out like bowling pins. I mean, it was like, bam, bam. And I said, okay, babe, go ahead. I just leading her around, and she was just praying for these people. And then one one of the guys who was our friend, and he wouldn't fall for, for nothing, Ruben Rios, you know, he, he'd be like, you know, he's very in- intellectual. She didn't even pray. She just touched him. Boom. She fell out. He fell out. I go, so afterwards I said, Mary, what, what came over you? She goes, I don't know. I just had such love and compassion for the people. And so the Holy Spirit can, can encompass someone, even to the point uh, of an example of, I don't know if you guys heard of this person, Maria Woodward Etter, if you could show her up on there. She's a little girl, young lady. Uh, yeah, there she is. A little tiny girl, born in 1844 in an Ohio farm. And <clears throat> she felt the call of God on her life. But, you know, women in those days are not supposed to preach. They couldn't even vote in those days. And so she said, Lord, how can I preach, you know? He said, she said, I'm not even trained. I haven't been to Bible school. I don't really know the Bible that well. He said, you go, and I'll be with you. Really? She started preaching, and they, they, they said, we're going to make it hard on you. We're going to put you into what they call devil's den. In other words, preachers would go there. They would mock them and criticize them and, you know, ridicule them. Nobody got saved there. Nothing happened. We'll send her there. We'll see how she does. First night, nothing. Second night, nothing. Third night, nothing. The fourth night, all of a sudden she started preaching, and the Holy Spirit came, and they were knocked out. People were knocked out, laying. They said it looked like a battlefield, like people were just laying all over. She had the presence of the Lord on her. This is just a gift that she had. And she would go into trances, and she would like be like, you know, stayed and stopped for like a half an hour, and people were like, well, what do we do? And then they would get it. And then to the point, and this is my, my point on this, that when she came into a town, a whole five-mile radius of people would, would feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. They'd be in the, their kitchens cooking, and all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord would hit them. 
So the Holy Spirit wants to fill the whole earth with His glory. I know the stories of Catherine Kuhlman when she was going in through a, a kitchen uh, to minister at a restaurant or, you know, a banquet. The cooks started falling down on the ground. Yeah. And, and, and so when we come into this place, we need to have the Holy Spirit fill our hearts, fill our lives, be changed from the inside out. Amen. I'm going to pray with you, but I want to let you know that the Bible says that, that uh, everyone uh, should, be, should have the Holy Spirit, whether you speak in tongues or not. The Bible says in Luke eleven thirteen, if you then being natural know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask of him? So I want you to, those of you that want to receive the Holy Spirit, just stand to your feet and let's just say a prayer and let the Holy Spirit grab hold of you talk to you, touch you, make an impression in your life. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and receive the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. As Jesus said, I come to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm giving time for everyone to just let that settle in them. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for those that are here. I thank you that you, they've heard the benefits and the um, advantages of having your precious Holy Spirit residing on the inside of us. So just repeat after me, uh, church. Say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I, thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that he sent, thank you that he sent to, guide me, to guide me, direct me, and fill my heart with your presence. I ask to receive him now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, just hold it one, one second.